Welcome to Essential, our podcast dedicated to communication at work in the 21st century. I'm Stacey Epstein, CEO at Zinc, and we host guests from a variety of places, including academics, analysts, writers, and users of modern communication technology. Today, I'm excited to welcome Rob Brown, who is Associate Vice President, Center for the Future of Work at Cognizant Technology Solutions. Welcome, Rob, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, great, Stacy. Thanks for having me. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Rob Brown uh, with Cognizant. Uh, I've been with the firm for uh, just over three years now, uh, and being a part of the Center for the Future of Work is you know, really a Cognizant strategic imperative to look around corners and uh, see uh, you know, in the not-too-distant future some of the strategic changes that will impact our customers. Um, I was, prior to joining Cognizant, uh, a managing vice president at uh, Gartner. I'm in charge of the business and application services research teams uh, there. And my main focus as an analyst was on business processes. So, uh, so that's the purview that I bring to the future of work. And um, I'm based here in San Francisco Bay Area. So not too far from you at all. Yeah. And uh, good, good to be with you today. Yeah, great. Well, it's great to have you. Um, I love reading that, that your title includes the words, the future of work. Uh, just last week, I wrote an article about that specific phrase. I, I remember my early days at Success Factors in the mid-2000s, we were talking about the future of work, and, and I think it's been talked about sort of nonstop since then. Uh, and in this article that I wrote on our blog, I asserted that it, the, the phrase, the future of work, has been used so much to mean so many different things that it's almost starting to lose its impact. And um, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on that. Well, it, it, the funny thing about the future of work is it's always in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and so not trying to be glib, but one of the things that people have the opportunity to do every single day when they put their feet on the floor and go to work is to start tomorrow uh, and to make uh, the changes, sometimes big changes, and in a lot of ways, little small changes that will add up to big impact on the long game of the future as this year turns into next year, next year turns into five years and, t and 10 years, and how not only individuals manage their careers from you know sort of the purview of a success factors, but corporations and businesses look at their short, medium, and long-term strategies from a future of work perspective. And so I would say, as we enter an era of automation, algorithms, and AI, uh, really taking a hard look at as is work and work processes and trying to imagine the changes that need to take place, is it's never been more important than it is right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I definitely would agree with you on that one. Um, I think most industries, whether they title it the future or not, are undergoing some kind of digital transformation that will help them do just what you're talking about, usher in that future of work and, and make sure they're prepared and ready for where we're headed. But many industries and, and specifically deskless workforces that we at Zinc focus on, like construction, hospitality, field service, they, they haven't even caught up to where we are today in many ways. So in your experience, how, how can uh, an enterprise move quickly to transform and what kind of challenges do they face along the way? 
Yeah, it's it's a great question. What what's the forcing factor to to make them do this? Um, so there's there's three things that I kind of point to. Um, one is economics. Uh, the second is silos, and third is what I would call the, the smart switch. So sort of unpacking those things. The first is sort of economics. You know what it, what is the dollars and cents or euros or you know rupees of digital? Um, we actually undertook a, a, a study uh, with uh, Rubini ThoughtWorks. Um, in Manhattan uh, last year to look at, you know, what is the blast radius of digital in a good way? Like, what is what is the, the, the financial business case for doing this? Uh, and one of the things that we found is that there is uh, a massive laggard penalty uh, across all industries for companies that aren't making steps to uh, to effectively go through digital transformation. And, you know, you can break that term down. It's got a pretty wide uh, applicability. But one of the things that we found is that the economic uh, Im impact uh, for laggards was they were only seeing about 3.1% of, uh, of impact on all of their cost and revenue as a result of digital. And leaders had an impact of about 7.4%. Uh, and so that, if you sort of look at just the math of that, that means that the leaders that are doing digital well have about 139% advantage over laggards. Uh, so if you're trying to convince your CFO that something needs to happen without a solid set of financials, it's a really tough way to start. Uh, and so knowing how you're performing uh, against others in your in industry, if you're a leader, if you're a laggard, getting that rough idea is going to be really important. Um, and just as an aside, taken in totality, the total economic impact of digital on the global economy was about $20 trillion dollars over a three-year period. And if you compare that against the GDP of the US, which is give or take about 19 trillion, it, it's like there is a net additive pool of money the size of the US economy that's coming down from outer space onto the global economy. Yeah. So it's like the Republic of Digital is huge. Um, the, the other thing, just to kind of round this out, is silos. And you know, the advent of ERP 25 years ago was sort of about, you know, sort of connecting these this notion of islands of information. And now you look at very large companies, lots of M&A has happened, uh, and there's sort of sclerotic as-is processes all over the place uh, from yesteryear. And so if you look at you know just simple things like robotic process automation that applies you know, what we would call systems that do to kind of break the inertia of rote and repetitive, you know, back and forth, um, swivel chair processes, you can do that pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, and so one of the things in terms of, you know, getting to that pool of money and not paying the laggard penalty is, you know, how can you turn sort of systems of intelligence like RPA, almost like a Pac-Man game uh, to eat up, you know, backend organizational inefficiencies uh, and sort of take those savings and double down on real uh, digital uh, change. Um, one of the things we're hearing a lot about is this notion of, of, of uh, technical debt on uh, old systems, legacy systems in the middle and back office uh, processes of businesses. And they're sort of paying a, a process debt as well. And so that gets into the laggard penalty as well. So truly changing the work, truly changing maybe a digital process that maybe used to take 15 or 16 steps and sort of melting it down into something that maybe takes three steps can really help drive those efficiencies. Um, and, and the last thing I would say is, is you know, I touched on this, is, is what I would call the smart switch. So many of these uh, systems, even, you know, like, like robotic process automation is sort of, you know, they're, they're, they're dumb, right? And what we have to do is to add, you know, true 
applicability of artificial intelligence on top of the work that we're doing to make it smart. And that's where things like algorithms on top of uh, artificial intelligence will really, really help change the game uh, in the future of work. Yeah, it, interesting. I mean, some great stats in there. I, we, the, looking at laggards and, and I, I think you and I living in San Francisco and, and being in the high tech world, we hear about AI and robots and, and IOT. Those are kind of everyday words. Yeah. But again, like the, the industries that we cater to, yep. uh, in fact, I did a blog in this series with the CEO of a company called Blue Line Rentals. They rent heavy construction equipment and they have, they are forward thinking enough. They have a chief digital officer. They have the digital transformation. They have realized that they can move many steps ahead simply by putting devices into the hands of their workforce and giving them good ways to communicate and get their job done faster. And I think it, in some ways, the, the industries that are a little further behind yeah. in their digital transportation transformation ha have an even bigger opportunity. And, it, and in many ways, they can leapfrog ahead of their competition because they're the early adopters of, of this digital transformation. So uh, it's, it's interesting to, to compare laggards to early adopters because in many ways, you, if you do it now, you're going to jump ahead much quicker than, than maybe many others in the industry. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's exactly right. I mean, there's, there, there's almost like a compounding, uh, debt that they, if they don't do it, it'll be like dragging a boat anchor through the water as they try to catch up. And if they don't do it, they're going to fall further and further behind. So It'll take some intestinal fortitude, but you're right. Companies that can, you know, leap that gap and jump that gap. And, you know, your example of field service is a great one. You guys are talking about putting tools in the hands of, you know, people out at, at, at you know, sort of the, the edge, uh, as it were, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. Uh, my next white paper coming out is calling is called augmenting the reality of everything. And, you know, any company that's not exploring augmented reality as a part of field service as a part of their future of work initiatives is already behind the curve. Um, and so you can look at, you know, placing tablets in the hands of, of workers uh, or, you know, doctors might be another good example. Uh, and augmented reality uh, has a chance of steamrolling over all of, you know, what we would kind of count as being digital technology today. You hear about what Zuckerberg is talking about, uh, Tim Cook at Apple. Uh, in their um, uh, stage presentations, you know exactly where their roads are heading on the long game, and its name is augmented reality. So that's you know another way of sort of the digital um, uh, movement that companies can be thinking about uh, in you know specific industries that have specific types of work. Field service being a really good example of that. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think you and I both were at the GE Minds and Machines show last yes. week. I I was on a panel. Uh, with another GE Ventures backed company called Upskill, and that's exactly what oh, they yeah. do. They, yeah, Upskill's awesome. Yeah, and, wiring and I, harnesses. <laughs> yeah, I think, and just for our listeners, they 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 make AR for glasses. So basically, if you're um, if you're a field service technician, you're trying to fix something, you could be looking into your your glass, and you can see the an image of the machine, and you can it would lead you exactly to how to fix it. 
Um, and of course, I was talking about zinc and, and having communication. So you're, you're getting the knowledge of the, tri- the tribal knowledge of the organization or of the, the corporate office to that employee. So to me, what, at the end of the day, what we're trying to get to with the future of work is to make sure that every worker has the knowledge and information that they need at the point of of the customer transaction and whether that's sales or that's service. And in some cases, it's not even necessarily a worker. It it could be a robot. But I think technologies like AI, AR, communication, that those are the things that are that are helping make that change and really drive things forward. And again, I would assert that some of these industries that have large numbers of disparate workers have a real opportunity to greatly increase their metrics around customer service, fixed rates, uh, revenue, et cetera. Yeah, that's right. So let's talk about globally. I know you travel the globe all the time and you work with lots of different companies. So when you, when you travel around, are some countries more advanced when it comes to adopting innovative technologies like AR, augmented reality, or is it more about a, an industry segment, what what patterns or trends are you seeing in adoption and early adopters? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question. And, and one of the things that, uh, that you know, that, that we've seen uh, really play out over the last, I would say, couple of years is, is this notion of small is beautiful. And whether it's companies or, to your question, countries starting to kind of reconfigure themselves into what I would call sort of smaller spaces um, as emerging digital niches start to proliferate. Um, so you could look at uh, sort of multi multi-dimensional teams within sales, marketing, you know, service, um, product development, um, co-locating and sort of focusing on customer segments or, or underlying customer segments, sort of middle office and back office functional uh, needs. So these talent clusters are also starting to play out what's happening around uh, countries around the world. And, you know, it seems to be within cities. So, uh, you know, we talked about San Francisco, uh, you know, it seems to be sort of the spiritual home of the startup scene and the digital scene. Uh, but you could look at Berlin's, you know, Silicon Alley or mm-hmm. London Silicon Roundabout. Uh, mm-hmm. Scotland has uh, their Silicon Glen and Dundee. You know, in this country, you've got, you know, Austin, Texas. Um, uh, you've got uh, emerging locations like uh, Nashville, Tennessee for the healthcare uh, industry. Um, uh, Boulder seems to be coming on stream. Even like, you know, sort of think back like 10, 15 years ago, locations like Detroit. Um, and Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. truly like Rust Belt cities are uh, really burgeoning uh, with sort of small co-located uh, folks that are really driving the digital uh, change. So I would say, you know, some of these places, some of these companies might flame out, but the building blocks of digital innovation are becoming a lot more accessible, not only to uh, countries, cities uh, within, you know, sort of skunk work operations within companies, it's going to then start to percolate out to the rest of the organization. Um, So the key to that, and you know why you and I are on this call today is talent, right? Talent with digital age skills that's self-directed, flexible, agile, you know, wants a front row seat at the revolution. Uh, And so we're looking at things like platforms, 
probably talk about zinc in a second, but you know, platforms that are helping generate the standards around uh, how um, uh, collaboration uh, can occur. Uh, and you know, it's not just for bearded hipsters uh, on the coast in places like New York and San Francisco anymore. So I think you know, to, to kind of answer the question, like a Rubik's cube, you know, it, it's a bit about industry for sure because industry context is everything. Location is absolutely the other dimension of this. And when you put those two things together, I think in the future of work, one of the things you're going to see is that industries as we know them will actually start to melt in a good way. Uh, and start to to cross pollinate, and it really does have to do with the talent that's undergirding how the process and the work process is changing. All right, great. Uh, it was awesome to talk to you today. I really appreciate you appearing on our podcast series, and uh, I know you and I will be talking again soon. So thanks for the time. <laughs>